Good morning, ICF family. Good morning. And I say family because that's the way you have made us feel this week. You've been so kind to us, uh, starting with uh, Tarek and Beth and their hospitality at, our, at their home with lots of uh, great food of, of all kinds and all traditions. And also the welcome we've received from uh, Pastor Karsten and the elders. We've had just a, just a great time. We've, we've talked about uh, marriage. We've talked about uh, leading the home. The ladies heard a, a wonderful testimony from, from Barb the other night. And I, I had some time with the elders on Thursday night. And we really talked about what it meant to, to serve, to serve the flock, what it means to shepherd the flock, and what their responsibilities were. But inasmuch as we did that, I thought it would be good if I spent some time this morning sharing with you how to be sheep. How to be sheep. Not always an easy thing to be sheep, but there's one verse that I wanted us to turn our attention to this morning. And it's in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And uh, of course, you know, the book of Hebrews is a book that exalts the glory of Jesus Christ. It talks about the superiority, superiority of Jesus Christ to the angels, the superiority of Jesus Christ to, uh, to the old sacrificial system, and how he is the fulfillment of all those things. And when you come to the 13th chapter, the writer has several things that he wants to remind the sheep about. And you can see it on the screen behind me, thanks to the technical abilities of our fine folks back there. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to understand these words and that your Holy Spirit would apply them according to your purpose, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So, in, uh, in great Protestant fashion, we have a three-point sermon, we, the first, and three questions, really. What the sheep are to do. Second is why, <laughs> we've had some, uh, some uh, audio effects up here, <laughs> uh, what they are to do, uh, why they are to do it, and how they are to go about doing this. And uh, in, good, in good Puritan form, uh, the first two points will be largely exposition of this text in the book of Hebrews. And then there will be, under the third question, there will be four, four applications for you, okay? So first of all, let's look at what sheep are called to do. Well, what they're called to do is to follow and respect your leaders. One of the books I have in my library on church health and church growth, there's a chapter called The Fine Art of Followership. The author writes, it's the followership teaching which has been most neglected in our churches. As you know, we follow primarily, ultimately, the chief shepherd, 
Jesus Christ as he reveals himself in chapter 10 of John's gospel. But how, how does he go about caring for his people in the world today? Well, he has identified those who are called to be elders, elders of the church, care for the flock. Paul told Titus in, first, uh, in chapter 1, verse 5, to appoint elders in every town. Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14, 23, appointed elders for them in each church. So each church was to have its group of identified and qualified elders as your church does. And scripture also identifies that there are some elders who have a particular gift for preaching. In uh, Ephesians 4, chapter 10, those are called pastor teachers. So you have three elders, and one of them is a pastor teacher in particular, though all elders are apt to teach. So you have the teaching elder, you have elders who are ruling the church, all are shepherds under God's care to care for this flock. Now, when you talk about the offices of the church, we cannot neglect the deacons. Your church also has deacons. But their responsibility is uh, to be in a supportive role so that they will care for the physical needs of the congregation. But you know, everything, everything that I just said, in fact, just reading the text for today, troubles people. And the reason it troubles people is because in this day and age, people have, many people have a problem with the whole concept of authority. Uh, there's a house that we go and visit uh, every summer, and it has a beautiful back porch overlooking a beautiful view, and uh, you, there's no internet, it's nice and quiet, there's no cell service, it's wonderful, I'm afraid it's all coming soon. But one thing you can do is if you have an AM radio, you can pick up these radio stations that still have 50,000 watt coverage. And one evening I was listening and I pulled in WBZ from Boston and they were interviewing George Carlin, George Carlin. And uh, the interviewer asked George Carlin, who was a, uh, a kind of classic, shall we say, comedian. And they asked him, do you still believe in your adage challenge authority? And he said, no. It's now destroy authority. Destroy authority. And you can see that everywhere, can't you? You can see that when there's no accountability, nobody takes responsibility. But also, people are afraid to take leadership roles. But in the Bible, it's very clear that God has delegated authority, which is prerogative, for the order of society. So we have civil authority. We have family authority. We also have those who hold authority in the church. But in God's economy, those who hold authority is always for the well-being of those they serve. They're called to be servant leaders. And so, in this text, it's very clear that what is in view here are the elders of the church. Now, some very strong language, I think you would agree. It says... Obey your leaders and submit to them. Uh, the word obey means to be persuaded or to have confidence in them. The American pastor, Rick Phillips, makes the comment that the word obey has specific reference to how we receive the word. 
And uh, specifically to those who are bringing the word to you in a public way on a Sunday morning. Jonathan Edwards wrote, a faithful minister that is in a Christian manner, united to a Christian people as their pastor, has his heart united to them in the most ardent and tender affection. And they, on the other hand, have their hearts united to him, esteeming him very highly in love for his work's sake, and receiving him with honor and reverence, and willingly subjecting themselves to him, committing themselves to his care as being under Christ, their head and guide. When such a minister and such a people are thus united, it is attended with great joy. And I think you know that here, don't you? You know that great joy of, of a, a pastor who, who, who studies to, to bring to you the truth of the text of Scripture uh, every week. And in this world, I can tell you, in the United States, that is increasingly rare. When you can come to a place and you know that what you're going to hear is not ex exposition of the latest headlines, but exposition of God's holy word. And that's what counts. That's what counts. So another way just to, another word that's used here, he uses the word submit. Now, this word is only used here in the Greek New Testament, and it means to yield or to give way. And if I might just summarize the idea is that we are to respect and follow the authoritative leadership the Lord has placed over us for our well-being, to respect and follow the authoritative leadership that God has placed over you for your well-being. Leon Morris wrote this. He said, The church cannot be expected to do its work effectively if followers are not loyally supporting the leaders. It's a matter of fact that we're often slow to realize that this day, to this day, that effective leadership in the church of Christ demands effective following. If we are continuing critical of them that are set over us, small wonder if they're unable to perform the miracles we demand of them. If we bear in mind the work for the work's sake, we may be more inclined to esteem them very highly. And so, that's the what. What sheep should do, respect and follow the authoritative leadership. And recognize that they didn't call themselves. God called them, and you called them, too. Now, why? Why should you respect and follow those leaders? A couple of things. Because they, they serve you. They are called to be under shepherds. Uh, the other night, we were talking about 1 Peter chapter 5. And the imperative that's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, as he writes to elders, is shepherd the flock entrusted to your care. They take the responsibility to, uh, to guide the congregation through all kinds of challenges that it might face, uh, many times externally. And I think you, you know, it, isn't it great to be all together again? Aren't you glad that COVID is finished? I all, everybody who says that COVID is finished, say aye. aye. Any opposed? <laughs> all right. But you, you have no idea the burden of that laid on the leaders of the church. In my church during that period of time, in a time period when we were supposed to have, would ordinarily have 14 meetings, we had 44. Instead of 14 meetings, we had 44. Now, most of them were Zoom meetings, but they were still almost weekly period that time to make sure that we we're taking care of the needs of the flock, being, uh, addressing the challenges that were being faced during that time, the challenges of technology, and the challenges of care. 
And they're striving to lead you by example. Just a few verses earlier in verse 7 in this chapter, the writer says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and though, though uh, we are all, all of us sheep, they're seeking to be an example that can be followed. And they watch over you. This is a great word. Notice in verse 17, it says, they keep watch over your souls. Now, there are a couple of Greek words uh, in the New Testament for, uh, for watching over. One is, is the word uh, episkopos. And so it's a compound word with uh, the root being skapos, which is a visual word, and then uh, epi, which is over. So literally it means watching over, overseers. This is what the elders are too. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, where Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders, he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. But the writer uses a different word here. He uses a word that gives the idea of so concerned that one loses sleep, standing guard, keeping watch over you. Isn't it great to know that God has given you someone to help watch over you? After all, we have physicians who watch over our health. We have accountants and bankers who watch over our financial health. The leaders spoken of here are those who are charged with watching over your spiritual health. And uh, this is one of the reasons that I'm a, I'm a fan of, of church membership. I know that not everyone is. But church membership is a mutual commitment to one another that you say, I am in to this fellowship, I am connecting with this fellowship, I'm gonna, as long as I'm here, I'm gonna stay with this fellowship and be under the oversight and care of these elders. And the elders in turn say, we are going to care for you. It's a mutual commitment. And I know that it's amazing to me how transitory this congregation is. Uh, how many of you have only been in this church for, how many of you have been in this church for less than a year? That's amazing. That's amazing. And, but even so, I'd encourage you, as long as you are in a place, to be connecting with a body of believers in, in an official way. And when you go somewhere else, God will lead you to another, to another church. But another reason why you should respect and follow those leaders is this. They are those who are going to have to give an account they have to give an account. I consider this among the texts that terrify. One church leader wrote, these aren't mere words, they are thunderbolts. And so the idea is that, that the leaders of the church, and I don't know what this is going to look like, brother. <laughs> Brothers, I should say. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, what it does say very clearly is that we're going to have to give an account someday for our care for the flock. And it's a very powerful word. The, the word account is the word that's used many times in reference to the ultimate final judgment and accountability. And accounting for what? Well, the souls who've been placed under their care. 
which have been purchased, as Paul writes elsewhere, with his own blood. An accounting to whom? The accounting is to God himself. And so you can see this is a very serious matter. And I can tell you that your elders are taking this very seriously. This is another reason why you should respect and follow those leaders. Thirdly, how can you help your shepherds? How can you do this? It says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Oh, did you ever read the Old Testament? Did you ever see how often the people of Israel were groaning and whining and complaining? And we say, oh, we would never, oh, that's, that's not in the New Testament anymore, is it? <laughs> I wrote a book uh, called The Shepherd Leader. It's about leadership and, and, and learning how to be shepherds. I visited a sheep farm uh, and some folks who were raising sheep and got some information that I've included in the book. And uh, when the book was published, I took some copies of the book to my shepherd friends. And when I got there, I looked around and I said, where are the sheep? And I said, oh, we don't have sheep anymore. We only have goats. And I said, why do you only have goats? And they said, because the sheep were too hard to take care of. <laughs> so let that be a lesson to us. But you know, there are some things that you can do so that your leaders will do this with joy and not with groaning. Here are some, some suggestions. These are the applications and implications of this text. First of all, there are four things. I'll be as brief as I can. First of all, follow the good shepherd. Nothing makes your leaders happier than when you are following the good shepherd yourself. And, you know, I have taken the liberty to, uh, to get access to the covenant that you as church members make to one another when you, when you join the church. And this is one of them. To be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior by godly living, to work circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment. I see that as a commitment to, to follow Christ uh, in the world and with one another. In John chapter 10, John makes it very clear that my sheep hear my voice and my sheep follow me. And there are all kinds of, you know, Carson and I were talking about this and, and just how you heard us talking about it right now, how important discipleship is here in this church. There are lots of opportunities for you to, to engage in ways to advance your walk with Christ. And I encourage you to take advantage of, of them, whether they're small groups or the men's ministry or the women's ministry or any, any other kinds of opportunities that you have. So ask yourself if you're following the Good Shepherd. Second way to help your leaders do this with joy and not with groaning is to keep the peace. Keep the peace. Again, I'm quoting to you your own commitment to one another. To avoid, I would love to live in a place like this. To avoid all gossip, backbiting, and excessive anger. That's an awesome commitment. 
And, uh, you know, Ken Sandy, the author of The Peacemaker, uh, talks about developing a culture of peace. Now, one of the primary ways of developing a culture of peace is to, to follow the scriptures, to use your words to build up and not to, to tear down. And also, one of my favorites is in Matthew chapter 18. So, it says, if your brother sins against you, tell everybody else. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No, so there's Mary over there. And so I perceive this hasn't happened. Mario, let's pursue, say, Mario sins against me. So what should I do? I'm going to talk to Clive about it. <laughs> Clive, you're not, you, don't, you can't even believe what Mario did to me. No, that's, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Uh, and because Jesus says this very clearly, that to create a culture of peace, we need to be honest and, and open with each other. And you know what you realize is that if you are called upon to, if I've got to go to Mario, I'm going to double think whether this was really a sin. And if I do go to Mario, Mario's going to say, oh, no, no, you misunderstood me. And it's over. But the problem is that our words can be so, so destructive. Paul wrote, as much as is possible with you, be at peace with all men. James said this in chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So the church is to be a no-grown zone. Can you say that with me? No grown zone. I like that. That sounds so good. Uh, someone once wrote, to live above with the saints we love, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints I know, that's a different story. <laughs> and so, you know, each of you carries, I've heard one, heard some, each person carries two buckets. One's a bucket of water, one's a bucket of gas. And you have a choice when there's a spark. What are you going to throw on it? Are you going to throw the bucket of gas? There are people whose natural reaction is to throw the bucket of gas. No, we should be, according to your commitment, to create a culture of peace with one another. So, how you can do this so that your leaders will lead you without, with joy and not with groaning. Thirdly is do your part. Do your part. Again, in your words of your covenant, to be a fellowship of Christian believers mutually committed in a spirit of love, truth, humility, to, worship and, to the worship and service of the only true and living God. To the worship and service of the only true and living God. And that certainly is anchored in our scriptures where in this very book of Hebrews we read, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think we all came to realize how, how important our time together is during COVID when we couldn't get together. But now the joy, the joy of the, the mutual fellowship and encouragement that we have is, is so refreshing and so needful. Uh, last night, we, even though it was cold, Tarek and Bruce and I 
we had a, a fire outside. And it's nothing like a fire. If it's, if it's you know, limited where it's supposed to be. <laughs> but one of the great parts about a fire is when the, when, the, when the fire burns down and it's just a bed of hot coals, it's so beautiful. That's, by the way, when you're supposed to make the marshmallows. You don't do it when the flames are flying. Wait till the, it's, that takes patience. But if you see those, those hot coals, and you take one of those hot coals and you set it off by itself, what happens to it? It goes out. And I believe that's what happens when people exempt themselves from the fellowship of believers. You've lived a week in the world, you come back, you worship God, you have fellowship with one another. And perhaps those of you who are, who are watching online, maybe you're wondering if it's time for you to come back. Maybe you're wondering, maybe you're discouraged. This is what you need. You need to come. You need to support the work with your financial gifts. Yes, this is what you said. To contribute voluntarily and regularly to the financial and material support of the ministry and the expense of the church, the relief of the poor, and to spread the gospel throughout all nations. Now, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And uh, the word cheerful is the word uh, from which we get our word hilarious. So we should be, uh, would you imagine if everybody would break out in laughter as the offering is going by, you know? <laughs> But we're not supposed to give begrudgingly, but cheerfully and joyfully. In our, in our uh, area in Philadelphia, where I served, we had an African-American preacher who really knew how to take an offering. He was really good at it. And uh, he used to say, brothers and sisters, I just want you to know that I'm pleased to announce that God has provided every single penny for every single project, excuse me, Every single euro for every single project that we need to accomplish in this church. Oh, the bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> so, you know, we have an obligation. You've taken on an obligation. Uh, how grateful are you to God for the salvation he's given? We're to be generous. We're to give generously. But we're also supposed to support the work, do our part, in the use of our spiritual gifts. I don't want to belabor this. You understand this, as Peter wrote. As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So each of you has a gift, a spiritual gift, something you can do to serve in the, in the church. Now, Paul makes that analogy as the body in 1 Corinthians, doesn't he? 1 Corinthians 12. He says, we are like parts of the body, uh, we can't say I'm no good because I'm a foot or a, a hand. Now, I happen to be a mouth, but my mouth would be no good without the eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet. And there's another analogy I like to use, and that is of a musical group. Perhaps I haven't told you yet, but I play the tuba. Usually people laugh when I say that. <laughs> Because yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of an instrument, you know. But let me tell you about being a tuba player. A tuba player never gets to sit in the front row. I always get to sit, I have to sit in the back row. And the tuba player never gets to play the melody. Oh, very rarely. And oh, when we get the melody, we put our hearts into it. And then it passes just like that. Then it's back to the trumpets or the clarinets. But yet... The tuba, oh, I should also say to you, I've been saving this for here. 
I used to play in a polka band <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Ochlieber Augustine, 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 Ochlieber Augustine. Yeah, right. Yes, we played the beer barrel polka also. But um, every single person, oh, and tuba players are often characterized as those who just who play um pa pa um pa pa um pa pa, but that's not the case. Tuba players only play um. <laughs> we don't even play um pa pa. We play um because there are other horns or trombones that play pa pa um pa pa um pa pa. We often often call them peck horns. But you know, think about if you're not involved in ministry here. How can you be involved? What, what gifts has God given to you? Someone once said, there are two kinds of people on earth today, just two kinds of people, no more I say. The two kinds of people on earth that I mean are the people who lift and the people who lean. So are you a leaner or a lifter? Now, there are times in life when we have to be leaners, aren't there? But there are many more times when we need to be lifting together. The burden is lighter. Lancaster County, Pennsylvania Dutch, many hands make light work, is the saying. And so do your part. And the fourth thing, the fourth practical application of this is, is right here in the text. It actually goes to verse 18. Pray. Pray for your leaders. That's also in the imperative. Pray for them. Uh, if, if you understand how challenging uh, this work is, please pray for them. And I know that they covet your prayers. So, are we good sheep today? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Danke. <laughs> Just remember, what good sheep do, what they do, they follow and respect their leaders. Why? Because they're watching over you. And they're going to have to give an account. And how? You know, do your part. Pray for them. Keep the peace. Most importantly, follow, follow the good shepherd. Because our ultimate goal, our ultimate goal is to follow him. He's going to lead us in the ways everlasting. It's through faith in him and only through faith in him that we will be assured that we're in heaven. I close with this illustration. I was telling the men yesterday that uh, our son was uh, an officer in the United States Army, and he was uh, in combat in Iraq. He was awarded the Bronze Star. We prayed very hard for him, and God brought him home safely. And his, uh, his alma mater, uh, Wake Forest University in North Carolina, uh, saw, saw what had got, how God had used him there, and the things he was able to accomplish. And they decided to honor him at one of their football games. Now, if you know American college football, it's crazy. People spent a lot of money to go to these games, but they, for that reason, that day, they were going to uh, honor Nate. And so I was, I was able to go. Barb was not able to go for some reason. And you got out, you got out of the car, and you come to the gate, and there's security there. And uh, the security, they look at Nate's uniform. They say, go ahead. They look at me. I say, I'm with him. He says, okay, go ahead. 
Then there's an elevator. They want to take him up to the big club level where they have all the, the wealthy donors up there. They want to introduce uh, him to Nate, them to Nate. And so I get to the elevator, and a guy looks at Nate. He says, go ahead. He looks at me. I said, I'm with him, and I'm allowed to go up. Then we get up to the club level, and there's another guard. They look at Nate. Go ahead. Look at me. I said, I'm with him. Let me go. Then it comes down to get down to the field level. Not everybody gets on the field, you know. And so there's another guard down there. We go down there, and there's a guard there. And they see Nate, and they say, go ahead. I look at me, and I say, I'm with him. So off we go. But the only reason I got to go any of those places is because I was with Nate. And the only way you and I are going to be in heaven one day is because of that good shepherd. And we can say, I'm with him. But even better, he turns and says to you, he's with me. She's with me. And nothing will bring more honor and, and joy to your leaders when they see you standing before the throne one day, worshiping him. Let's pray. Almighty God, uh, how we thank, I thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for the wisdom that you're giving uh, Karsten and Glenn and Dan and others who are serving in leadership positions. And Lord, I pray you would bless them. I pray that you would protect them. I pray you would continue to give them wisdom to uh, meet the challenges that come their way. And I thank you so much for this amazing congregation that you've gathered here from the nations in this place to serve you. And I pray that you would give each of us the right attitude toward the places you've called us to be. That if we are, well, we're all sheep. And help us, Lord, first of all, to follow you completely. And help us to respect those you've placed in positions of responsibility and authority in our lives. And help us to, to show love to, to one another in such a way that the world will be attracted and, and drawn. And help us to pray for one another. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.